0: Being born into the state of Alabama at a very young age, you are forced to make what feels like a life or death decision. That is the choice between Alabama or Auburn. And growing up in a family where your father graduated from the University of Alabama, it was a pretty done deal who you were going to pull for. And so growing up, I had the understanding that Auburn fans were the worst. And a good one was few and far between. That is until I met my Church Start mentor and dear friend, Mike Lewis, who will be joining us today on the CBF Church Start podcast. Michael, welcome.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here. War Eagle.
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) while we're recording this, just for those listeners, Alabama and Auburn are playing this coming weekend, so one of us might be updating this podcast here in the next few days, uh, depending on the outcome. (laughs) Um. So, Mike, you, have, uh, you are a well-versed and experienced church starter. Um, you have been at this for a very long time in a lot of different contexts. Um, so tell us a little bit about some of the churches that you've helped start. Of
1: course, um, if you've been in church planning very long, you know that no matter how long you've been doing it or how much you've learned, uh, you're still a learner. Because things change, culture changes and all that. But, um, yes, this is what I've done all my career. Um, I started my first church, believe it or not, in 1978, and uh, went to start the new church in Huntington, Indiana, uh, up in the northeastern corner near uh, Michigan and Ohio, Um, and um, I was as green as they can be when it comes to church planting, Um, didn't have a lot of resources in those days, but i was i had a strong sense of call and fell in love with uh huntington and um and so i was off um and i loved it i had a great experience there
0: say and then you you started sense a call uh somewhere else uh, completely different than huntington indiana and that was in uh, north of boston massachusetts right
1: Yes, Fall River, Massachusetts. It's actually south of Boston, about 45 miles. And um, went there and was actually a parachute drop start, which I don't necessarily recommend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was also had a strong sense of call there and um, actually had a lot of support from outside. And um, it was a very difficult uh, place to start a church as many places are, but uh, I loved it. And uh, uh, it took a a little while longer for that one to become self-supporting. And um, so I was actually there for 18 years. We had become self-supporting much much before that, but um, uh, the church grew and developed and we became a, a sponsored church for other new churches in New England. And it was also a wonderful experience.
0: You've been able to come back kind of full circle in that experience uh, in Massachusetts because really in the last five, six years, the church has invited you back to help in in a good number of ways.
1: Yeah, uh, they called the pastor after me, after I left in 2003. And um, he's a great uh, preacher, um, theologian, all that, but he's not um, very much committed to reaching out. And so the church... Began to plateau and then to decline in numbers, so they voted to um, call a new pastor, and uh, they asked me to come back and help them walk through that process uh, to get the right candidate, because they are still a viable congregation with, um, you know, a, a debt-free church building, and they're in a wonderful place, uh, for strategic place for the Northeast for New England. And so um, I flew up every month for almost two years and worked with them on that so they still haven't found a pastor yet they're working with PBS and um, and hopefully they'll have somebody that can lead them in a strong way uh, in the near future.
0: The biggest issue is how can anybody anybody follow you've been pastoring somewhere for 18 years so pretty big pretty <laughs> big shoes to fill now you went from well that's and, and then you came back home to Alabama.
1: Right. Uh, they called me to be the church um, church planting coordinator for Alabama CBF. And I came in 2003 and accepted that job and served for nine years in that capacity. Enjoyed it very much.
0: You've been a, a tremendous asset, uh, friend and mentor uh, in my journey in the last um, six years. And... Uh, one of the most fru- fruitful aspects of our relationship um, were our uh, monthly coaching calls. At some point, we were doing kind of biweekly. It felt like ch- checking in, uh, seeing how things were going, asking some difficult questions. But uh, you know, one of the more interesting questions I remember you always asking me is, how are the finances of the church? Um, which is somewhat of an uncomfortable conversation. I mean, churches in general don't like to talk about money. Ministers don't like to talk about money. But it is a reality for church starts uh, that they involve money and they involve uh, becoming self-sustaining. Um, you know, experts, whoever those experts are, we just kind of quote, you know, experts say, but, you know, experts said years ago that it took, you know, two to three years to become self-sustaining as a church start. Um, now many of those same people are saying uh, it takes five plus years. Um, and so it's a, it's a changing world, it's a changing landscape for people starting new churches. But why did, why did you think it was so important to ask me that question on, on all of our calls?
1: First of all, finances are so important to the health and well-being of a new church and the growth of a new church. Um, and it's also vitally important to the uh, health and well-being of the church planter. If the church planter is overly concerned about finances for him or herself or for the, for the new church, then that can begin to weigh on them and to weigh on their uh, energy level and excitement about starting the new church. So I think it's a core issue for church planters and something that, that is important for them to uh, understand and to focus on even before they begin planting the church while they're still working on their new church plan and uh, the development stage, just to make sure that they understand for themselves as the leader that this is going to be a core issue and that they feel comfortable as a part of their theology and their philosophy of ministry to uh, teach uh, the importance of giving and to... Um, Lead people and encourage people to buy in financially to the uh, to the work, particularly the core group members as that develops, and the leadership team. And um, you know, pretty much everything that the new church will be able to do going forward will depend on how they are able to finance it. So it can be a difficult conversation for coaches and also for the new church um, pastor and core group and staff, but I think if it's approached the right way with a great deal of positivity and, and seeing it as a part of every new church member's um, commitment and um, participation in this new work, then I think it can be a very healthy thing that I think sometimes we assume that people are uncomfortable talking about finances, but if they're approached the right way, if they understand, you know, uh, what it's for, people are willing to give financially to what they believe in and to what goes along with their core values. So um, so I think that's why I focused on it was just to make sure that you were being taken care of and also the new church was going to be able to do whatever it needed to do going forward.
0: Let's go back to this idea of uh, this uncomfortable nature within ministers and within the church of actually talking about money. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's so uncomfortable for ministers to talk about money? Why do you think it's so uncomfortable for the church oftentimes to talk about money? Well,
1: church planters tend to be compassionate people, who uh, love people. And so they do have an understanding that a lot of the new people coming into the church are new Christians or this is the first time for them to participate fully in the development of a church. So um, there's a a learning curve for them, but also they understand that most people that will come to us are pretty much financially um, burdened already, you know, as families. People are finding it difficult just to stretch their own dollars and pay for the house payment and the car or kids and, you know, all those things that families have to pay for. So trying just to be a compassionate leader, um, you don't want to add another layer of um, of financial burden on people. But at the same time, people usually have... Um, money to give beyond their basic financial commitments to things that are important to them and so they will find ways to give to charitable causes um, uh, to sometimes political causes or um, social justice causes that they really believe in and when people Make a commitment of their lives to Jesus Christ and to be his disciple. Um, they, they really, that becomes a core value for them to be involved in the kingdom work. So I think if you, if you just continue to develop the relationship where they uh, understand what it takes for a church to be founded and grounded and grow and prosper. Uh, that it does take contributions from everyone and give them the right um, vision and core values, then I think a, a lot of times you'll be surprised at how willing they are to give.
0: I remember uh, in our conversations and, and other conversations I've had that um, and you've just said it just now that um, when you're able to help people to identify what they're passionate about and allow them to give to those passions, it, it really alters the conversation altogether. Um, so what are some best practices you found on that process, identifying what people are passionate about and helping them find ways to contribute to that, whether that be financially or with their time or with other resources? Well,
1: first of all, I think it, like I said, it needs to be a part of the church planters uh, DNA as he goes, or she goes into planting this new church um and they need to be you know 100 percent committed themselves financially to this work and it's important to them um and then every time a new person uh makes a commitment to be a part of this work because people have choices about where they're going to invest their lives in a local church and um when they did, when they feel that and make a decision to join the the this local church that the church planter is currently starting, um, then they're going to by nature want to want to succeed and want to be invested in it. That's why they're joining this church as opposed to any number of others. And so I think if the church planter and the leadership team as one, can help every new person coming in through some sort of orientation, through teaching it from the pulpit, through making it a priority in the things the church does, then I think that new person begins to absorb that this really is something that's uh, vitally important to, first of all, uh, Christ and his kingdom's work, because nothing can happen without investment but also to this local church and to fulfilling this vision that I've bought into. And, um, so, you know, talking to help having conversations around what they wish to see happen with this new church, um, what they, who the people are that they believe this church is well-suited to meet, to minister to. And then, um, Help them to to see their way, their idea of buying in without pressuring them or you know lead, uh, leading them from behind, um, but giving them the opportunity to understand all the aspects and then having that understanding and that biblical and philosophical uh, background then to be able to make the decision that yes, I want to invest regularly and you know as a part of my ongoing discipleship commitment i want to invest financially in this work
0: it's interesting um there are uh, very few church starting books that i actually will recommend to people uh, mainly because the list is a mile long of talking about exponential growth and everything else but uh, in that select you know, a few list of books that I will give people. One of them is a, a great little resource called the 10 most common mistakes made by church starts uh, It's by Jim mm-hmm. and Bill Easton. And one of the things they say is um, one of the most common mistakes is waiting too long to talk about finances um, and so that really begins uh, during your core group development. So what are some key things you would recommend to church starters as they're forming with their core group? What would that conversation look like? What are some of the key aspects they need to discuss?
1: Well, they need to, they need to know uh, from the very first introduction to the church what the finances are. You know, the church needs to be very transparent with the budget and the income, and all those things, Um, people feel more comfortable giving when they, you know, trust what's being done with the money, and they can see where it's going. Uh, So I would say openness, transparency. Um, Sometimes I think church planters can be a little reluctant to bring financial concerns before the new church because they're afraid that people might become discouraged and run off. Um, But I think if if they're given the opportunity to see what's happening and to see uh, what the costs are and to even be able to offer suggestions and ideas, um, then that helps them to be able to make that commitment and maybe even grow. Sometimes people have, they don't start off at 10% of their gross income. <laughs> Sometimes they start out at less than that. But as they're given the opportunity to increase their giving along the way, as they see others doing that, um, then I think that's helpful. Also, I think celebrating um, accomplishments along the way, when they see that the budget is being met and, um Challenges are being met, then that can that can be very uh, encouraging to people as well.
0: At the end of the day, um, churches can talk about giving, 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 giving um, till they're blue in the face. Um, But there's something deeper going on here that I think oftentimes as ministers we fail to recognize, and that is um, we're not just talking about giving; we're we're talking about finances in general not the church's finances that's that's a different conversation probably for a different time how the church uses its resources but really getting to the heart of your parishioners getting to the heart of how they view um, the way that they earn their money the way that they invest their money the way that they spend their money Um, so why is church starting an opportunity to to address that deeper underlying issue of finances as a whole with parishioners
1: Well, I think uh, church planting is a a really great way for people to address all the issues of life, Uh, and finances is is certainly a big part of that. But, um, you know, they need to address all kinds of issues that they're facing personally and their families, Um, financial issues, um, relational issues, you know, you could just go down the list. So um I think it is one of the important issues. And if a church, uh, I think, helps the new members and the community to understand that they are going to be a church that's there to help people address the discipleship issues of life, which all these are, then they're... Um, you know they're much more likely to participate in some of these um, training sessions or events or sermon series or whatever however you might be uh, planning to address it to the congregation because now they understand that the church is really there to help them and they're gonna learn some things that are going to really make a difference in their lives and um and they look to the church for that kind of solid information. So then they would see the church as a place where they can go and get solid financial information and, um, you know, have the help that they need, um, that's being offered to them in a timely way.
0: It was interesting as we approached the conversation within Mosaic around, um, giving, um, we almost like avoided the topic for our first two years um, you know we were coming out of an experience that we felt like the giver was so glorified versus the worship act of giving versus the discipleship act of giving and so we went the complete opposite direction with this right we we didn't take up giving you know offering during worship we had a giving table at the back people can contribute to and in some regards we realized that we were robbing our people of an opportunity but then when we really started to talk about finances at the church, it was so important for for me to shape Mosaic's theological understanding of, of money, of how we spend our money, but then how we approach that conversation with our people. And, um, you know, there's probably very few sermons that I'm just right proud of, right? I'm sure we all are our worst critics, and we kind of look back on and uh, <laughs> a ton of mistakes. And I, But I think one of the series that I— that I'm the most proud of uh, was when we did a series on finances and I intentionally waited for the fifth week of a five-week series to finally say that word giving. Um, We spent the first four weeks talking about the generosity of God to talk about debt, uh, to talk about the way that we build up our little kingdoms. Um, And then finally coming to that conversation, I remember having um, direct dialogue with our folks afterwards And they had just never really approached it that way before. And so in some regards, uh, church starting is an opportunity to reshape the culture um, of what faith and how faith connects to our everyday living. Um, What are your thoughts on that?
1: Oh, I totally agree. Um, People now are giving uh, as generously as they have. Uh, you know, some people have the misconception that people just aren't giving, but that's not true. Um, if you look at philanthropy and giving to um, causes, uh, even in the state of Alabama, people are giving at a, a huge level uh, right up there with the percentage that they gave, you know, in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, so it's not a matter of, are people willing to give um, to causes and to churches and different things? Um, it's just a matter of, of helping them, I think, to understand um, what a healthy and positive investment this can be for them and for their futures. If people can see that they really are investing in something that's going to be there for people, uh, down the road, and it's going to keep contributing uh, to being a culture-building entity, like you mentioned, and impacting the culture for Christ and providing a way for people who don't know Christ to have an opportunity to to get to know about him and to follow him, then, um, yeah, they want to be a part of that. We, we're not the builder generation anymore where people want to give to building programs in the church, and thank God we've kind of moved beyond that. But they still want to build uh, something that's going to be able to be powerfully used by Christ for his kingdom and for his work, that's going to make a difference in their community and in their, in their world. So um, I just think having the confidence that these people are, are going to be able to catch the same vision and values and commitment to mission that you have is a part of the church planting task is it starts out as your vision. And then it's the core group's vision and the leadership team's vision shared by them. And then as people come in it's shared by all. So um, ideally being able to continue to build that the number of people that are going to come and be a part of this and share that, um, that vision is, is the way to, um, I think go forward in a healthy way.
0: So maybe a church should be considering if they're not meeting budget, is it that they're doing work that people aren't passionate about? Um, or they're not inspiring people to be passionate about the work of the church. Um, which I think a lot of our established and our new church starts would, um, would do themselves a good justice of, of stopping and considering that question. Um, as many churches do face budgetary needs and uh, struggles each year. Um, We uh, reached out to um, podcast listeners and church starters around the fellowship and had a couple questions that were submitted to talk to you about. Uh, So I'm going to see if you want to field some of these. Uh, The first person wrote, um, In my church, there seems to be an emphasis not on how much someone gives, but whether they give and are growing in their giving. In a bigger church, we have the luxury of focusing on growing givers. In a church start, how much matters as well? With the understanding that growing of givers is more important than how much, how do you resolve this tension and how you approach stewardship in a church start?
1: Well, certainly the goal is always for 100% participation in giving. I mean, that's a a goal, (laughs) Um, and you're never going to— probably get 100 percent or but um but you strive for that just like you strive for all the people in the church to be praying uh to be studying their bibles uh, you know to do all the things that are components of a, a growing disciple of christ in the 21st century um so i think if uh emphasizing that if you're not able to start at ten percent, uh even if the church doesn't have a ten percent tithe as a part of the biblical or philosophical um core, that's fine. But I think uh at whatever whatever your your basic um biblical philosophical uh teaching is It's just to make sure that you're consistent in teaching. I think a part of it for everybody is an educational component, Um, just to understand what it does take um, to have a a healthy, growing church that can function. And part of it is not sexy. You know, it's not exciting. you got to pay the electric bill. (laughs) You know, you you have to pay uh, certain things that are just not going to be anybody's passion by any means. Um, but you know, that's like your household budget. That's like anything. Uh, so people need to understand how important those things are. And then, um, if they can start to see that they can start at a place where they are comfortable, uh, and hopefully maybe feeling uh, uh, you know, a, a tad bit stretched as well, then they can continue to grow. That's why, uh, Teaching um, true giving as a faithful follower of Christ to his work is an ongoing process. You can't just do it once and then say, well, I'm done. We've we've done that in our church. It really needs to be somehow cyclical or uh, annual. Uh, If the church has an orientation process, and I encourage them to do that, then that should be a, a real clear and positive part of the orientation, um, you know, uh, but certainly nobody's going to be looked down upon or rejected for membership or treated in any other way differently if they don't give. Um, But you do want people to understand that as they grow as a follower of Christ and, and more committed to his work, then that's something that's probably going to become more important to them and they'll want to learn more about how they can prioritize um, what they're spending so that they can give more to the church. Does that answer the question?
0: Yeah, I think so. Now, I I do want to clarify. I assume that the half-million-dollar Learjet is one of those necessary items under the church budget, right? Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Always go for the big ticket items that are totally irrelevant to the kingdom of God and that'll really motivate people to give more
0: well as long as you're not going super classy on that like you couldn't get the leather seats like you got leather seats it would be out of the question but if you're just doing you know kind of mainline you know mid-tier type of seating material i think you're good uh one other question to field for our time um person asked uh, what are the biggest mistakes you see church starts make in the areas of stewardship and finances
1: i think sometimes they can um become quickly overburdened financially. They find a uh, a place to meet for their worship gatherings and they fall in love with it. It's wonderful. It's in the right place. Uh, it has parking in place for kids ministry, but it's a $1,000 more than they had counted on paying. But they go ahead and make a commitment um, to that place, and very quickly before they can, um, they come to their senses, um, they become overstrapped. And that might happen in the area of meeting place. Uh, sometimes it can happen in commitment to pastor salary. Um, there can be a number of places where they may be too uh, impatient about growing into uh, what they can afford and where they need to be at the time. If you can get a, a less expensive place that still can be suitable for the needs, and use that as an opportunity to grow into the uh, into being able to afford the bigger place, I think that might be a, a wiser step, even though it might not be as exciting to the new church planter
0: this is this has been great um, thank you so much for your insight and your wisdom thank you so much for uh, your leadership uh, and thank you so much for your friendship
1: well thank you for your leadership for CBF church planting and for the important work you're doing uh, also at Clayton with mosaic and uh, what a wonderful not only work you're doing there but what a wonderful example it is to church planters all over the country and of course, I love you and your family, and I uh, always enjoy the opportunity to catch up, even though you're a, a Roll Tide person. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I won't like you for four hours on Saturday, but other than that.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, good. I think we'll take, pretty cool. we'll take a time out and then we'll revisit it a week from now. <laughs> Thanks for joining this Church Starts conversation. For more information about Church Starting and other initiatives by the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, visit cbf.net.